What's up, guys? Welcome to episode eight of the Imperfect Path podcast. In today's episode, we are going to discuss imposter syndrome and how you might go about combating that. As always, I am your host, Aaron Myers, and welcome to the Imperfect Path. Today, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome. It's something that I've been thinking a lot about this week. And imposter syndrome is attributing your accomplishments to things like luck rather than skill or competence. And that's coupled with a fear that other people are going to eventually unmask you as a fraud. And I broke down that terminology to kind of start this off because I wanted to know exactly what the words meant. And imposter is defined as a person who pretends to be someone else in order to deceive others, especially for fraudulent gain. And syndrome is a group of symptoms which consistently occur together or a condition characterized by a set of associated symptoms. And what I find kind of interesting about that is the fact that imposter, in the context of imposter syndrome, if you were just to separate out that word, It indicates that you are aware that you are doing something, you are pretending in order to deceive people. And the idea of someone experiencing imposter syndrome is never utilized in a way that suggests that it's a good experience. Imposter syndrome is like something that is a kind of a miserable thing to deal with and can often lead people to backing away from whatever you know, accomplishment or whatever position they may have gotten because they believe that, oh, I just deceived my way into this position. It is not in any way based upon my own competence or my own abilities. So part of it is that there's this extreme self-doubt and negative self-talk and probably a poor self-image, potentially, um, as well as the concern that other people are going to realize that, oh, this guy is like faking his way through this and he's actually super incompetent. And sometimes I wonder, <clears throat> because some people that deal with imposter syndrome are obviously high functioning and probably don't deserve this, you know, that self, that self description of being incompetent. And sometimes I wonder if it's because people that are accomplishing these things do so from a place of humility, but that humility gets perverted into some kind of self-loathing. And another thing that I think is so interesting about this experience is the fact that when I have brought up to people times where I felt like I was experiencing imposter syndrome or I felt like an imposter, a lot of the response was something akin to fake it till you make it. and that makes sense on some level, right? Like you go through the motions until the um, the emotions are just part of your general behavior and your capacity to accomplish whatever goal that you are going through the motions to accomplish. But fake it till you make it also has this feel to it, like you're perpetually feeling like an imposter. So I don't think the idea of fake it till you make it is an all-encompassing antidote to that feeling. I think that like another option is just to see the success that you've had and the things that you've accomplished and kind of flip that imposter syndrome the bird and recognize that you have done certain things to earn or earn your status or 
earn your position. But here's the caveat to that. There has to be a certain amount of humility that comes with that, right? Because we can all kind of picture the person that goes, no, I, I, I earned every aspect of this. This was all me. I was the one who accomplished this. I got this position. With, but the failure to recognize things that, you know, failure, failing to recognize that your current situation was also facilitated by opportunity that presented itself, right? The two parts to that would be, it was fil- you were able to accomplish the things that you accomplished by your preparation. And that preparation led you to being able to seize the opportunities that presented themselves, but the opportunities also presented themselves. So you have to, you have to, so there's a certain amount of humility that comes with that recognition in my estimation. So the way that I kind of conceptualize that, and I am someone who would much rather adopt the latter view of, you know, recognizing that both my preparation and the presence of opportunity were what culminated in my accomplishment, whatever that may be. And the way I kind of conceptualize that is I recognize a certain amount of personal satisfaction in the fact that I made the steps to develop myself and develop a certain skill set and take advantage of opportunities that got me to where I am. But that is doubled with a sincere gratitude that God provided me with opportunities that were unique to me and my skill set. And he laid out the path from the beginning for me to get to where I am now. And shoot, just to kind of riff off that, gratitude is such a such a what's the word i'm looking for antidote maybe it's almost like a medicinal spiritual practice that alleviates so much alleviates things like resentment pride rage man the more that i think about it the more that i mean gratitude is it has to be a central practice i think if you're always coming from a place of gratitude you're you're already starting off on the right foot. And I think to bring back the word antidote, I think another like an antidote for imposter syndrome is the practice and consequent development of self-confidence. And I think that because I almost think that confidence is like I think about it like a muscle. Like the more that you practice confidence, the more that you just develop it as a nature. So I think that that is the primary thing that you should be working on. And I think you also need to work on mitigating negative thoughts because imposter syndrome, there's kind of like this feedback loop of constantly feeling like you're a fraud, like you're being deceptive, like you don't belong here, right? That's kind of the idea is like other people belong here, I do not belong here. And the easy way to to kind of visualize that as like you start a job, right? And you're going to be pretty incompetent, especially if it's something that you've never done before. And you look at everybody else who seems to be pretty damn competent and you feel like the odd man out, the odd man out, and you start to 
get this idea is like, I do not deserve to be here because you're seeing all these people as fully developed employees in whatever trade or profession that these people are working in. And you are starting from the ground. So you have kind of a weird skewed idea that these people were competent from birth and you just aren't and you don't fit in in that scenario. Like I had imposter syndrome when I first got my blue belt in jujitsu. Eventually, I want to have a button here. So when I say things like jujitsu, can do some like radio thing like jujitsu. Anyway, (laughs) I got my blue belt and I didn't feel like I deserved it because as a white belt, Guys that had their blue belts were like, holy crap, dude, that is a whole new level of jujitsu. And then you become a blue belt and you realize, oh man, they just had like a grasp on very fundamental concepts in jujitsu. <laughs> and I talked to a buddy of mine who's a black belt and he kind of questioned me like why I was feeling that way. And he led me to this place where I was like, you know what? I actually did. I put in the work. I may not feel like I'm at a level of competence that I was expecting to feel when I would when I ultimately got my blue belt, but I did put in the work in order to achieve my blue belt and I have the foundational skills that would that you could justify my my rank. And then being able to accept the fact that like, you know what? I did put in some work. I'm much better now than I was when I was starting off as a white belt. And then the fun started happening, and I feel like my jujitsu started getting better and better and better because there was this, I, there were, I, I had a sense of, I was trusting myself. I was trusting myself in the fact that I was going, I was making the proper moves to, to develop myself in a way that I w- was going to be a competent blue belt, and I could feel that by the time that I got to my purple belt, if I continued these same practices, that I will be a worthy wearer of that rank. And I try to take that mindset and apply it to other things, obviously. But back to mitigating negative thoughts. The way that you you mitigate a negative thought is to ask yourself three things. Is this true? And if it is true, is there something that I can do about it? So okay, okay, so maybe more than three questions, but is this true? Is this important? And is this thought helpful? So Let's run through that a little bit. Is this thought true? Okay, you have to kind of determine that for yourself depending on the context, right? Like, so if the context is something like, I suck at this task. Okay, this is objectively true. Is it important? Well, depends on what the task is. Is it something that is integral to my job and is going to keep me from getting fired or... It's going to, if I'm competent at it, is it going to help me to promote and do better with this company? Might be important. Is it, man, is it that you, the task is something like curling? You're no good at curling or playing bocce ball? Is it important? Arguably, no, unless you're an Olympian or something. And is it helpful? Is that thought helpful to be like, man, I suck at this? I don't think it's particularly helpful to dwell on that. It might be helpful to recognize it as a catalyst to make the proper changes so that you don't suck at the thing anymore. Granted that it is something that is important enough for you to put your effort into. So check your negative thoughts. Check your thoughts in general with with that in mind. But is it true? Is it important? Is it helpful? 
And then here's the flip side of this, and I like to do this as a writing exercise. Have an honest talk with yourself or honest self-reflection or, you know, you could pray about it, meditate, whatever your thing is, um, and start trying to recognize your strengths and weaknesses. But I always think that you should start with start with strengths. I think that's a cool, a good way to start off, maybe. Um, and write out, so whatever the accomplishment is, whatever you're feeling imposter syndrome over, try to write out and articulate why you actually do deserve it and why you feel fortunate to have it, why you feel grateful that you have the opportunity. But if you start off with justifying your reasons for why you are actually not an imposter, I think that it's easier for you to have a positive outlook on the situation. And I I know I say this, I need to pick out a thesaurus and figure out a different way to phrase this, but you'll be you will be able to develop yourself in a way that aligns with the reasons that you believe you deserve it. I hope that that makes sense. And if you feel like ultimately you don't deserve it, maybe that recognition will allow you to develop yourself in a way that, okay, if I was this person, if I was if I had this skill set, if I was competent in these areas, then I would deserve it. Maybe that's the other side of that. And speaking from my own experience with imposter syndrome, I think that this quote is applicable. And it comes from the Stoic philosopher Seneca. And it goes, we suffer more from imagination than from reality. And ain't that the case? Like how often do we allow our thoughts to run rampant, never checking on them, and consistently taking them as fact instead of analyzing them and trying to establish whether or not they are true, important, or helpful. Like an example of this would be, you know, you're being terminated or, you know, for whatever, you're being laid off, you're losing your job for some reason. And then your mind immediately goes to, well, if I lose my job, I won't be able to pay my bills. And then logically, if I won't be able to pay my bills, then I'm going to get evicted. And then I'll be homeless. And you keep on going down that line of thinking. But life does not happen like that, generally. There's always like the fear of the future and the fear of the unknown, the fear of things that are unexplored. And we kind of fill in those gaps with what we think the next logical event might be. But it's often just us catastrophizing the situation that we're in, thinking about worst case scenario. And that is unhelpful. It is not helpful at all ultimately in the grand scheme of things because you're just you're just starting to spiral with no no plan of mitigating whatever the situation is. Because there's always like the next right thing to do. There's always some step in the right direction. Okay, I lost my job. What's the next step? Start looking for a new job. Okay, I found a couple new potential employers. What's the next step? Develop a resume, you know, get a suit for your interviews, that sort of thing. Get off the X. Don't allow yourself to become so overwhelmed by the situation that you freeze in place and you're so crippled by the anxiety that you're not taking the proper steps towards actually alleviating whatever problem has happened to present itself. But that is also somewhat of a tangent subject. So getting back to imposter syndrome, something that kind of came to mind while I was 
journaling out what I thought about imposter syndrome and my own experience with it was this idea that maybe imposter syndrome indicates that you don't actually want to be in the place that you are. Like maybe it's you recognizing that you are playing make believe in order to fulfill whatever role that you're currently finding yourself in, whether that be a certain work culture or work environment, um, you know, caring about a mission that you don't actually care about. Maybe, and I could be wrong about that. Maybe that's a different type of feeling and it should be identified and um, understood as being something different, but I don't think that they are, if they are indeed different, I don't think that they are that far apart. And I don't think that it is beyond reasonable to think that uh, a feeling of imposter syndrome might actually indicate that. And it seems that imposter syndrome also assumes that others aren't experiencing the exact same feelings or that they are actually better equipped than you without evidence. As far as like experiencing the same feelings, I had experiences where I felt like there were certain concepts that I just wasn't getting. And this was specific to time in law enforcement. But what I found is that when I asked my peers or like explained, like, dude, I feel like there's something about, you know, whatever it was that I'm just not quite understanding. And I found that I wasn't alone. Most of the time I was in the majority of people were like, yeah, it's a pretty like, like amorphous concept. So you kind of just apply it <laughs> and hope that things kind of work out. Or you kind of get an idea of exactly what the spirit of things are when you are start when you are trying to apply it. And then as far as people being better equipped than you without evidence, I mean, that's another thing. It's like that self, that internal dialogue that's like, man, all these guys are like have all their shit together and I'm a soup sandwich over here still trying to figure it out. And there's two parts to that, right? Like they might be better equipped, but they develop those skills over time. It wasn't like they were born with the competencies that you are currently seeing. Like they aren't innately better than you and they aren't like they aren't better equipped than you by default. It's just something that you have to develop over time. So give yourself the grace to understand that you're gonna have to that there that is a level, that is a threshold that you are observing. And just understand that you can build yourself up to that level. And the other an additional piece to that would be that they might be competent in some areas and totally lacking in other areas, which is a a basic tenet of being a human being, right? Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. So it's possible that you're just focusing on the things that the things that you have identified as being your weak points without being generous to yourself and understanding that you actually do have a lot of strong um you're very skilled in other areas like you have your strengths as well you're not completely characterized by the fact that you're weak in these areas that you see other people being um capable in and then if you continue to find yourself feeling that way i think the next best step would be to you know go to someone that you trust and seek guidance like just be open and honest with them and sometimes that conversation will end up being like, well, what is like, it'll help to clarify the things that are going through your head and probably alleviate some of the stress and some of the, uh, 
some of the incorrect axioms that you're carrying around. And that's about all I have to say on that topic. So I think what I'm going to do to close out is just go over a writing exercise. And I think I'm going to start closing every episode with this because it'd be cool to leave you guys with something to practice or some type of exercise that you can do after you're done listening. So first, compile a list of all your vices and the characteristics that you identify as being the worst aspects of yourself. Things like chronic resentment or ungratefulness, rage, um, vices like poor eating habits or pornography addiction, uh, drug abuse, substance abuse stuff, anything like that. So make that list and then try to imagine what you and your life would look like if those different aspects went ran roughshod all over all over you like what would your life look like like okay well i'd become a drunk i would get incredibly unhealthy i'd probably lose my family and my job if i let these things fester um without any type of restraint just kind of explore that because it will give you an image that you can be running away from like man if i continue to let these behaviors and these habits completely control my life they could end in a really dark place and you have explored that as deeply as you can to have a very good visual and a really good image in your head of what how that might impact your life in a negative way part two write out a few paragraphs of what your ideal life would look like and be super explicit about it it can be and it can be a little bit fantastical right like oh well if i had this much money if i had a big house and all that kind of stuff that's fine um if you want to go that route um and then write down the steps that you would need to take or alterations in your current situation that you would need to make in order to bring that dream life into existence and that establishes something to run towards as well as things that are actionable for you to meet that end. So give that a shot. See how it works for you. Uh, that's all I got today. If you want to contact me, you can reach me on Instagram. My handle is Aaron Myers 190 or you can email the show. The show email is theimperfectpathpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe and leave a review on the listening platform of your choice. and. We have no advertising or any Patreon or anything like that set up. So what you guys could do if you're enjoying the content, and if even if it's a specific episode, if there is someone that you know who might enjoy some of the content or some of the episodes, some of the information that I have put out there since starting this show, share it with them. See what they think. The best thing that we can do is kind of get some of this information to as many ears as possible and kind of see where it goes from there. Anyway, God bless you all. Don't forget, do the work and stay on the path.